Heavenly Father, I just pray, as we open your word today, Lord, we want to come with expectancy to hear from you. And maybe if our hearts aren't right there this morning, that, Lord, that you would change that, that our attitude and our posture would be one to come expecting you to speak to us in the area of our lives that maybe we need to uh, be encouraged this morning, maybe an area of our lives that we need to come and surrender this morning to be challenged in. Uh, maybe it's a learning and instructing that we desire and need in our lives. So Lord, whatever our situation, whatever our circumstance, Lord, we come here this morning knowing that your word can change our hearts, can change our lives, and we can hear from you. And even in the midst of a passage that talks specifically to a group of people at a specific time, we know that the truths of your word uh, are relevant and applicable to our own hearts, to our own lives. And so, Lord, this morning we want to hear from you. May your spirit move in our midst. May it move in our minds. May it move in our hearts. And may it move in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever responded to something that you heard? Right? Something you heard, but you should have waited to find out more details, or what was going on in that situation. You know, you heard this thing, but you're prone right away to react, right? We're prone to respond, where we should have, as in hindsight, we recognize, I should have probably waited to find out more details. Maybe you've had a situation or circumstance happen to you in your life. Right, Something happened and it really impacted your life. So now you realize as you continue on, there are things that trigger that situation. There's things that happen. Maybe it's a similar situation, but it, it still raises up some of those emotions that caused you to respond or have had this situation happen in your life. So in light of those things, of the initial situation, now when you face something, those things impact how you respond in the future. Keep those in mind as we travel through these passages of Scripture. I I don't like to spend time going quickly, but we're going to travel through three chapters of Joshua as we're nearing the end of Joshua, and then we'll enter into the Christmas season. And we just want to kind of focus on three aspects, one from each of these chapters. So three thoughts this morning, three focuses. We've walked through seven years of battle. Seven years where the Lord uh, led the children of Israel into the promised land. You recall they were in Egypt. They were, uh, God delivered them out of Egypt. They went into the desert. They were heading to the promised land. They stood at the, the hills of the promised land. They stood right there. And they decided to choose not to obey God, not to follow the Lord, not to enter into that land. And so what happened is God then said, okay, for your disobedience, you're going to wander in the desert for 40 years. That generation 20 and above aren't going to make it. You're not going to see it except Caleb, Joshua. Not even Moses was going to see the land because of a situation of his disobedience and not trust in the Lord. And so they wandered around, and then it was time. 
and the Lord brought them back over to the land of promise. He had promised it to them. It was a sure thing. This was something that God was going to accomplish. He had promised to do this. So we saw God's powerful hand as He parted the Jordan River. As He brought down the walls of Jericho. As He led in the conquering of Ai. As He defeated the five kings of the south. As He rained down hailstorms from the sky. As He stopped the sun midday so that the battle could continue until they, were, they won. And finally, God miraculously defeated the northern enemies who outnumbered Israel and outmaneuvered them. There was no possible way the people in and of themselves would have won that battle. God did it in a miraculous way and He conquered those kings. Right? And so we see that there were 31 kings in all that were defeated. Then Joshua, along with uh, Eliezer the priest, before the Lord, he divides up the land. He gives each tribe their inheritance. What did they were going to get as an inheritance from the Lord. Each tribe was then commissioned to drive out the enemy, the inhabitants of the land, take over their allotted portion of the land as their inheritance. Some did this, but others failed. They failed to drive out the uh, residents of that land. Some procrastinated in actually taking their land. So last week we looked at a battle for a bride. We looked at the battle that took place as Caleb gave his daughter Aska to Othniel. And after he took the city, that was after he took the city of Kirath Sefer, right, in that battle. We discovered that Judah failed to drive out the Jebusites. Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites, but rather they put them under forced labor. Uh, and uh, they, then we saw that Manasseh chose not to drive out the Canaanites in their area, but they too put them under forced labor. And we saw that seven tribes put off going in and taking possession of the land. So Joshua had to get these survey teams. He picked three people from each of those uh, tribes and he sent them in. They have to survey the land, decide where they're going to allot uh, their inheritance too, and come back and give him the information. Chapter 19 ends with the verse 51. These are the inhabit- inheritances that Eleazar the priest and Joshua son of Nun and the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel distributed by lot at Shiloh before the Lord. And that was the last phrase and one of the most important phrases that we looked at through that passage is before the Lord, right at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Now we have a pause and Yahweh, God, is going to interject. He's got a special designation. Now, many of you may realize this, but when you read in the Scriptures, especially here in the Old Testament in chapter 20, 21 and 22, we'll find the word Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is the name of the Lord. That is Yahweh. This is the one that uh, is the only one. The God that talked to Moses in the burning bush. I am. And this is so why it's capitalized is to give you so you understand it's Yahweh Himself that is speaking. Then the Lord said to Joshua, 20 verse 1. The Lord said to Joshua, Say to the people of Israel, Appoint the cities of refuge 
of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. He shall flee to one of the cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of the city and then they shall take him into the city and give him a place and he shall remain with them. And if the avenger of the blood pursues him, they shall not give up the manslayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unknowingly and did not hate him in the past. And he shall remain in that city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment, until the death of him who is the high priest at that time. And then the manslayer may return to his own town and his own home to the town from which he has fled. So they set apart Kadesh in Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali, and Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kerath Arba, or it's Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. And beyond the Jordan east of Jericho, they appointed Bezer in the wilderness of the table land from the tribe of Reuben, and Remath in Gilead from the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities designated for all the people of Israel and for the strangers sojourning among them that anyone who killed a person without intent could flee there so that he might not die by the hand of the avenger of blood till he stood before the congregation. And so here what we have, I've entitled this Goyle the Avenger. All right, many of you know the Avengers. You didn't know of this one. This is a new one. This Actually, it's an old one because it's from centuries ago, but this is a, an Avenger that we have here. Why we call it Goyle the Avenger you will find out. There's also Kadesh of Refuge. Now, Kadesh, which is the city, means the same thing as QA, Kadesh, as well here. And we'll find out that. So point for yourself, cities of refuge. God tells Joshua that he's going to fulfill what the Lord had commanded or given instruction through to Moses. Both in Numbers 35 and Deuteronomy chapter 19, we find instruction that they're to set aside cities of refuge. They're appoint six cities of refuge. Why? For what purpose? Why would we need this to take place? Why would we need to designate now these cities of refuge? Well, you can imagine for 47 years they've been traveling together as a whole congregation, a whole uh, nation of Israel. Though there wasn't really any need to establish some of the things that would be helpful as they establish themselves in the promised land. So now God's given them some instructions. As you settle, as you make home here, I have some instructions that are helpful for you. Because now we are spread out. Now we are beginning to build ourselves here in the promised land. And this is one of the ones that's so important for them. You see, what can take place is there can be a death that occurs. There's a death that occurs that's intentional and that is preconceived and it's something that has intent. 
on what is taking place. It's a forward motion. Uh, scripture and Numbers and Deuteronomy both talk about an axe. And if I have the intent of killing somebody, then I have a forward motion. But if I have something that takes place unintentionally, right, that axe head flies off backwards and kills somebody, that was an unintentional act. It wasn't the forward motion, it's a reverse motion. At that time, axe heads did come off very regularly. And so that's why they used that in illustration. Um, or it just was unknowing. Right? It's unintentional, unknowing, but it happened. Now, just like today, anytime this takes place, there still is going to be an accountability of the act. Right? It still happened. It still was something that you were a part of. But an unintentional and an intentional are two different things here. And so what the Lord is establishing is going to be important for those who do something without intent or unknowingly. And so what we will find here is this is what happens. Now, who is the avenger? If I were to have this happen to somebody, then what would take place is a family member, most likely, or at least the family themselves, would gather together and say, we have to have vengeance. There has to be blood for blood. right? If you kill somebody, then your life has to be taken. And so they would gather around and they would commission the avenger, which in Hebrew is goyu, right? G-O-E-L, goyal. And so that is Goyle the Avenger. He's the one who's designated to go and to make sure that there's repayment for what's taken place. His life, he's going to kill the one who killed somebody. So, remember, there's no established court system. There's no established law. So this is what God is doing. In this case, the person without intent, without knowingly killing somebody, manslaughter, they're allowed to run to the cities of refuge. These would be close enough that everyone had access to. They're actually to be well kept so that this pathway can be easily accessed and I can come to the gate of the city of refuge and plead my case. Now, I'm not off the hook. This isn't something that's you know just a walk-in-the-park scenario. And most likely, I've got the avenger behind me. Right, the avenger of the blood that's following me and I'm heading towards the city of refuge. At the gate, I will plead my case with the elders. This is what took place. This is what happened. It wasn't something I intended to do. I didn't even, I unknowingly did this. Uh, and that case would be accepted or rejected. If it's accepted, they're welcomed into the city of refuge. And that is something that protects them and helps them. Now, there's a cost. Because I'm not allowed to leave the city. If I leave the city of refuge, the avenger is probably waiting for me. Right? They still will uh, have access to taking my life. And so I have to remain within the city of refuge until, until the high priest dies. And then I am free to go back to my city as I choose. And that is interesting. Verse 6 and he shall remain in the city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment, until the death of him who is the high priest at that time. Then the manslayer, the one that has killed someone without intent, may return to his, home ta- his own town and to his own home from which he had fled. 
And so they set apart. The word set apart is Kadesh. Kadesh, to set apart, is the word that is said there. They've, they've sanctified. They've made holy this place. These places were the places that the priests themselves would live. The Levites. It was the Levites who would protect this person, this individual. So there were major cities that some of these were. But that individual who had sought refuge will have to remain with the Levites for protection even within that city. They set aside Kadesh. They set aside Shechem. They set aside Kiriath Arba. They set aside Bezer, Ramath, and Golan. And what you could find there, I put on the other side of the list, is that's the names and corresponding with what those descriptions of those names are. Kadesh, holiness, strength, fellowship, stronghold, lifted up and separated. What I want to draw your attention to is that uh, this is uh, an important principle for our own lives because Jesus is our refuge today. So God in the past set up this as a system to help these people as they establish themselves in the country, right? This was something that was important uh, to do for an unintentional accidental death. It was a place of refuge that they could find. Well, Jesus is a, uh, ref, our refuge. It's another wonderful picture. It's a picture of redemption and of atonement. And in a sense, in God's eyes, the death of the high priest right, paid the debt for the freedom of the one who committed the manslaughter. Right? In God's eyes, that released them of their debt that they needed to pay because there was even a debt, a debt required for those that did this unknowingly or unintentionally. The accused person had to remain in the city for protection. They had to remain there because they could not buy their freedom. They could not earn it. They had to just remain. And forgiveness came not by intent, the intensity of the crime, nor by time served, but only at the cost of the death of the high priest. Now where we find the major differences here in this kind of picture of Jesus being our refuge is the fact that this individual will come in a sense pleading innocent, not guilty of intentional manslaughter. The difference of our refuge in Jesus is Jesus as our high priest. We come to Jesus guilty. It's the only way to come to Jesus. If you think we can come to Jesus, Jesus, you know, I got some sort of righteousness, I got some sort of goodness, I have some sort of innocence, then we are in wrong position of Scripture. Scripture says we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We are coming to Him all guilty. And that is the difference here. We find refuge in Jesus from our guilt. Freedom from our sin. Forgiveness from our sins. And all our debt is paid because of the death of our great high priest in Hebrews. right? Jesus Christ Himself who acts as the high priest for us. And so we have this amazing illustration here. We need to move on to chapter uh, 21. Chapter 21 is something that we want to focus on as a final Rest. They finally have rest. They've been battling for seven years for this land. Uh, it's taken the entire nation to battle. 
as they trust the Lord. The Lord's the one that's been leading the way, and now He's asked them to drive out their, the people in their area. Finally, they have rest. And so they finished dividing up the land. God was faithful to His promise. This is very key to understanding that God is faithful to His promises. So God promised that this would be the case. I will give you this land. He was faithful to that. God did His part. The people, with the exception of a few pockets of uh, nations, they failed. All right? they, most of them fulfilled it, but some of them failed, which is significant to the book of Judges. In the next book, right? they didn't drive out. They didn't remove the people living there in their inheritance, and it will come back to bite them. They, we looked at that last week. If you recall, all the tribes except the Levites received a land inheritance. Every tribe except Levi's tribe received an inheritance of land. And we looked at Joshua 13.14 a number of weeks ago. To the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. Because the offerings by fire to the Lord, Yahweh God, of Israel are their inheritance. So they didn't have land. But here in chapter 21, we'll find that Joshua and Eleazar, the high priest, will designate cities within different tribes as cities for the Levites. There will be 41, uh, verse 41, there will will be um, areas in which these Levite priests can live. There's 48 cities in total in which the Levites will uh, make their home and their dwelling there. Not one word of all the good promises of the Lord has made the house of Israel and had failed. All came to pass. Verse 43 to 45, Thus the Lord God gave to Israel all the land that He swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side just as He had sworn to his father, to their fathers. Not one of all the enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had all their enemies in, gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. You notice these words. God keeps His word. Sometimes in our lives we need to be reminded God keeps His word. You look around and you go, oh, man, I can't imagine. Like, what's going on here, God? What's happening in our world? What's happening in my world? My situation? You may, may need to be reminded that God keeps His Word. He keeps His promise. He is faithful to us. He will keep us. He's kept His Word. He's given them rest. And He's given them victory. Those are the three things from that short passage in the end there that we find. God kept His Word, He gave them rest, and He gave them victory. Even though the book of Joshua is an account highlighting a specific time, a specific place, a specific people, the entire account points forward to Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. And the lessons speak to our lives, and the principles have application in our own lives. Friend, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same God. You can bank on that. You can can trust that. You need a reminder this morning maybe that God is faithful to His promises. All of them. 
Not one of them will fail. He promises never to leave you or forsake you as a believer. He promises forgiveness to all who humbly bow and admit their sin and confess their sin to Him. He promises to meet all our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. All of our needs. It's not just some. All here. He promises peace. The peace of God to fill our hearts and our minds, which is in Christ Jesus again. Promises salvation by grace alone. He promises victory over the enemy. He promises rest for the weary. He promises a future, a resurrection, and an eternal hope in the home that we have with Him. Those are wonderful promises that we may need to be reminded of this morning. Joshua in chapter 22 sends off the two and a half tribes. So if we looked at chapter 22, he's going to send off the, 22 tribe, or the two and a half tribes. Uh, and they were ch- they've chosen to have the east portion. We looked at that, right? And they've chosen to live there. And so he sends them off. The requirement for them was to be with the rest of them as they conquer the rest of the area. That's taken place. So Joshua is now going to release them to their area to go back. And he's going to give them some instructions in verse 5 of chapter 22 that are very, very important. Only be very careful that as you return, as you go back to now your area and establish your uh, inheritance section, only be very careful. There are six things here. Observe the commandment of the law uh, that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Love the Lord your God. Walk in His ways. Keep His commandments. Cling to Him. And serve Him with all of your heart. Observe. Love. Walk. Keep. Cling. Cling as the idea. Stick like glue. Right? Have you ever had... As a parent grow, and the kids are growing up regularly. Now you're okay. If you have one, you're, you're actually off. The, you're, you're pretty good on this one, right? But I remember the kids grabbing hold of your legs so that you would have to try to walk with them. And then you get two. And then, uh, well, we had three. The Lord blessed us with three. But the, in this scenario, that's a little bit more difficult. When you have three kids clinging to your legs and you're trying to walk. That's the idea of cling. Here that the Lord's trying to give to us. We're to stick like glue to Him. Are you clinging to the Lord this morning? Are you observing? Are you loving? Are you walking? Are you keeping His commands? Are you clinging to Him? Are you serving Him? And this has the idea of worship. Out of the worship that we give to the Lord. This charge is a charge to holiness. And it's a heart attitude. And it's a proper position before the Lord. Notice it's not a legalistic term of do's and don'ts. Rather, it is our heart response. Because out of our heart, we will respond to the Lord. And guess what? We will follow. We will observe. We will do what He's asked us to do because our heart has been changed. We move on, and as they head over to the other side to establish themselves, 
Verse 10, And when they came to the region of the Jordan that is in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, these are the two and a half tribes, built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size. Like this is massive. They built a, a massive monument. It's huge. It's, the, it's, a, it's an altar that almost looks exactly like the one that they had to, that they put for, for the Lord in, in Jerusalem. Right? And so somebody sees this. Someone saw the, the monument. Someone saw the altar from across the river. And somebody told somebody else. Hey, have you heard? Have you heard this? That's my telestrations game. Do you remember telephone? Right? You want to tell something to somebody and then they tell that to the next person and down the line in the game and the person at the end has to tell you and it's never what it really began in the first place. Telestration's a, a kind of a game that plays off of that. It's the same sort of thing. Somebody says something and then all of a sudden, what do you get down the line? You get far from the truth. Right? And that person told another person and so on and so on. Suddenly, you have everybody joining together. Here, and so, end verse 11. The people of Israel heard it said, Behold, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region about the Jordan, on the side that belongs to the people of Israel. And when the people of Israel heard it, the whole assembly of people, the whole, everybody, everybody got into this. They gathered at Shiloh to have tea and biscuits, to have a potluck dinner for church. No, they, made, they wanted to make war. They heard this and they're going, we're going after them. Now that kind of seems a little odd for what's taking place here. Unless you understand some things. See, they're concerned. Right? They've heard now that this is an altar, and they think, well, this is either an altar to Baal, right, the gods of the people that they're living amongst, or it's an, another altar to the Lord, which is like idolatry. We're not to build another altar to worship the Lord. The one that we have here is the one we're to have. And so they're concerned about this. So much so that it fuels them to want to go to war. Someone saw it. Someone said it. And now, guess what? So there's a problem number one, hearsay. Right? They heard it said, verse 11, and when the people of Israel heard of it. So problem number one for them and for us is you better be careful of hearsay. Hearsay is something you go, wait a minute. Okay, I understand this coming at me. Problem number two, hearsay can lead to misunderstanding. There's going to be a misunderstanding that takes place here and it can in our own lives, right? Because when we hear something, we can misunderstand what that means unless we take some critical action. Problem number three, misunderstanding leads to accusation. Right Here they are, they're building an altar to worship God on their own. Or are they building an altar to other gods? They're disobedient either way. They're sinners. They're wrong. They're, they've gone the wrong path. And so accusations start flying around of various forms. Well, you know from experience, I'm sure, that hearsay 
can lead to misunderstanding, which then can lead to accusation. We start accusing something or someone of a situation. Problem number four, accusations lead to war. This accusation has led to, we want to make war against them. Hearsay, a misunderstanding, accusation. Now all of a sudden there's war that's going to take place. Right? The quickest way to divide, the quickest way to put people at war with one another is to create battles. And another way to create battles is to accept hearsay without discovering truth. If we accept hearsay without discovering truth, the end result most likely will end in division, destruction, and even war. How many people do you know that don't talk to any family members anymore? Don't talk to neighbors. Don't talk to fellow co-workers because something took place. And was that something, even something that was worth a battle like that? A response like that? Well, we thought since we were on this side and that you were on that side, you may have forgotten us. This is what the response is, right? We did this because we thought you might forget us over here. And so we built this monument as a reminder, hey, we're here. We're still a part of you. We want to keep that. It also is for our children to remind them of what God has done and that we're a part of a bigger thing. We can get so caught up sometimes in our small connections, we miss the bigger connection of the family we're a part of. And this is what's taking place here. This is just all that's happened. We, we had no intent to worship the Lord at this altar. We had no intent to worship Baal at this altar. But just to worship the Lord. Or to uh, remind you that we're here. To be reminding that we're a part of this. And if they had asked the question, the first person with the hearsay, then they could have said, oh cool, I'll let our people know. Hey, it's okay if you see the monument. It's okay, we've got clarity in what's taking place. Instead, they want to battle it out. The principle for dealing with hearsay is this. Question number one, do I need to hear this? Here's a simple, simple response for hearsay. Hey, did you hear? Do I need to hear this? Is this something that, uh, that I need to be involved in? That's number one. It'll deal with a lot of things. Does it relate to me? Is this for my building up or for someone else's building up? Or is it to tear down? Number two, pray for wisdom as to how to respond. You need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, how do I respond to this? Like, what, what should be my re- reaction and response here? Number three, we may need to go directly to the person this relates to to find out. Suggest you tell the one sharing the hearsay that they should probably go to the person directly to find out. And number four, if action is required, because at times it is, then I need to approach somebody in a biblical way. Even Matthew 18 outlines for us somebody who sinned against us how we're to react and respond, what are the principles that we are to take.
So as you continue through the chapter, we're going to discover, and I'm going to leave this for next week, there is a case to be made for somebody to be able to respond in the way that they are responding. We're going to find that the priest at the time is going to lead the charge over there. They are prepared for war, but there is a reason and a, and a rationale behind why they are so worked up. You think it's a monument. Like, what's the big deal? There is a big deal with a history behind it. We're going to look at that this morning, and it re- or tomorrow, uh, next week. And it relates to my apple. Right? So I have an apple and a bunch of apples. And what we're going to discover is that one bad apple can have a great impact on the rest of the apples. And so in conclusion, as we want to kind of wrap things up this morning, I have a few things that we want to recap. Number one, and I know it's quickly going through three chapters, but our place of refuge is found in Jesus. Right? Remember that. Right? Your place of refuge, your place of rest, your place of peace is found in Jesus. God is faithful to all His promises. He keeps all His Word. He gives rest. And He gives victory. Commit to being wholeheartedly obedient to follow the Lord by serving Him, loving Him, walking with Him, keeping His commandments, observing them, clinging to Him, and serving in the sense of our worship to Him. And number four, Beware the path of heresy or hearsay as it could lead to war in our lives. Beware. Hearsay is a dangerous thing that can lead to division in lives, families, communities, and church. Beware of what that means. Lord, I just pray. As we kind of absorb this, it's a lot to take in. Maybe we be reminded of these areas, Lord, that you are our place of refuge. Thank you for the Savior, our great high priest, who offered up his life for us so that we do find refuge in you. We find safety. We find protection. We find forgiveness we find redemption, we find atonement made for our sins at the cross of Jesus Christ. And we thank You for that. You are our place of refuge. That You are faithful to all Your promises. I just thank You for those promises that we may need to have heard this morning. Lord, that we're reminded that You are faithful to all of those. And especially the one, Lord, we will one day be with You. We'll be in your presence forever and ever. Our eternal home is being prepared for us. Oh, the promise of hope that we have of that future. And Lord, may we commit to be wholehearted followers of you. Observing, keeping, walking, loving, clinging, and worshiping you. And Lord, may we react properly to the things that we hear. There are times where we do need to get involved and to be a part of the solution. 
But many times, Lord, we just need to take hearsay and turn it to where it needs to go in the right direction for truth and for understanding and clarity so that it doesn't lead to war, but it leads to restoration and health. It leads to building up and encouraging. And so, Lord, may this morning, whatever area we need to have heard from you on, Lord, may it resonate in our hearts and in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.